0: setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Mary Burns is a speech language pathologist in Bend, Oregon, who started her mobile fees business and private practice After she was tired of not being able to provide high quality care to her patients in various adult settings, she was feeling underappreciated and undervalued and knew that she wanted to do better by her patients and for her life. So she joined the Start Your Private Practice system, got her ducks in a row, learned how to bill Medicare, and now she's off and running. And on today's episode, she is going to share exactly how she did it. Whether you're an adult SLP or a pediatric SLP, you need to listen to this episode, especially if you struggled with burnout or imposter syndrome, or if you're currently struggling with feeling like you're not able to do your best work. So let's do it. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice System, and I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life, and finally get the freedom, flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. We all got into this field for a reason, and for most of us, it was to help people. Not just help them a little bit, But to take all of that wonderful and exciting knowledge that we soaked up and paid for in graduate school and turn it into a rewarding career. So what happens when you're not able to do that? What happens when you get your first job or jobs in a school, hospital, EI, or someone else's private practice, and you're not able to practice the way that you learned how to do or that your clients need most? Really quickly, I want you to imagine a car, perhaps your current car or vehicle. Now think about your current job as a vehicle. So your vehicle is a school, a hospital, early intervention, university clinic, or maybe someone else's private practice. Now your private practice is a new vehicle. And in this analogy, You can start seeing clients on the side of your job, so basically adding a second car for yourself, or you can go into private practice full-time and trade in your current car for a new one. I recommend that most people get started with a private practice either part-time or on the side because it helps reduce the risks and allow you to keep your steady pay and benefits while building your private practice caseload your competence, and your income. So in that case, you would have two vehicles, your current job and your private practice. Now you're on the road and you're driving and you're driving your current job vehicle, but thinking about this new private practice vehicle. As you look in the rearview mirror, what kind of things do you want to move away from? Do you want to drive away from your micromanaging boss, from no or minimal pay increases, move away from large caseloads, drive away from working on paperwork at night or on the weekends, drive away from administrators who don't understand what you do? Also, maybe drive away from not being respected or valued for your expertise, let alone being compensated fairly for it. Now. Put your eyes back on the road in front of you. What do you want to drive towards? Maybe you want to have a more flexible schedule, maybe even only work about three days a week so that you can spend more time with your kids or with yourself. Maybe you want to have the opportunity to work with ideal clients, which, spoiler alert, is exactly what Mary is going to talk about on this episode. Maybe you want to move toward working less, earning a higher salary and being more fulfilled in your professional and personal life. If you keep driving forward towards this new private practice life, not only can you choose what you want to drive toward or away from, but you also get to make some other decisions. For example, how fast do you want to move? Do you want to build your private practice slowly, one client at a time, And keep a slow and steady pace of growth? Or do you want to drive fast and grow quickly? You also get to decide who is in the vehicle with you. Not only what kinds of clients you'll see, they may be inside of your private practice vehicle, but also think about contractors and employees. Do you want to include them in your vehicle too? Or do you want to just have a solo practice? No matter what, When you're driving, when you're at the wheel and in control of your professional, personal, and financial life, you get to make the decisions that work best for you and for your private clients and not your employer. The key to your success is to keep moving forward. Keep in mind, you are driving the car and you are in control of where you drive. Are you going to keep driving back to a place where you feel limited? Or are you going to drive forwards toward what you want for your life and away from what no longer serves you or your clients? Mary Burns, our wonderful interviewee for today, has done a wonderful job of driving away from what she doesn't want for her life in terms of stress and underappreciation from her employers and moving toward what she wants in terms of having a more sustainable life as a clinician. Without further ado, here's Mary. All right, so before we begin, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice?
1: My name is Mary Burns. I live in Bend, Oregon, and my private practice is Overland Speech and Swallowing Rehabilitation.
0: Mary, I am so excited to have you on. You've been a student in Start Your Private Practice and you also have an amazing Instagram account. Can you let people know what your Instagram account is so they can give you a follow real quick here at the very beginning of the episode?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It's Overland SLP. Awesome.
0: So what I wanna
1: hear and what I would love the listeners to hear is really about your journey
0: like to private practice and then also how things are going and what your plans are for the future. So, if we can go back first to the beginning of your career as an SLP, tell us what, what early SLP days were like for you.
1: Oh gosh. So, way, way back in time. Um, I graduated from Northern Arizona University in 2014. And was really, I didn't have any medical experience, very minimal training, no practicums, anything like that. So when I left, I was really nervous about that. I knew I wanted to work with adults and somehow by the grace of something, I ended up with a CFY in an inpatient rehab hospital. And Since then, I have never looked back in terms of going back to working with peds or anything like that. I've been home health, skilled nursing facilities, acute care, outpatient, all across the continuum. And finally, after seven-ish years, really feel like I have landed in the spot that I am supposed to be in.
0: You know, sometimes it takes... Variable amounts of time, right? To feel like you've landed in the spot you're supposed to be in. And unfortunately, some people don't feel
1: like they ever get there. Yeah. Right. So, what is the spot where you're supposed to be? So, right now, I am with my practice, it started as solely providing mobile fees. I do mobile fees in 22 counties across Oregon. And I founded that part of my business in 2018. But I, through various factors, I figured out I really missed therapy. And so I added on kind of another arm of my practice doing therapy with adults in central Oregon, either via teletherapy or in their homes. And I really only, I carry a pretty small caseload, but Part of that is because I only want to see certain kinds of patients because I have figured out that those are the ones that I want to, that I know I can serve the best, the ones I want to spend my CEU budget on learning more for, the doctors I want to network with, all of those things. So right now I work with only adults who have dysphagia, aphasia, dementia-related deficits, or I really have grown to enjoy gender spectrum voice and communication supports as well.
0: Well, I think it's really great that you've been able to just identify that and say like, listen, these are the people who light me up and allow me to do my best work. And I, what you said about CEUs also, like, you know, you find yourself, you know, you're at a national convention or you're on you know whatever website for CUs and you just do tend to get drawn back to the same kind of content areas, right? So how cool is that that now you've been able to design a practice where you can only really see or you're choosing to see those kind of clients, right?
1: Yeah. And it's it was it still is, if I'm being honest, it still is hard for me sometimes to turn away referrals. But I just have to remind myself that being able to do okay for that client is not what's in their best interest or in my best interest, right? I want to pass them off to somebody who is passionate and dedicated to serving in that area so they get the best results so that SLP's practice can grow and thrive and they can grow this word of mouth. And I want to be the best at what I do, which doesn't have to be everything.
0: That's right. Right. There's that quote, um, you're not for everybody. Right. And I've seen t-shirts that say that. I don't know. I should be offended that Facebook is targeting me with ads that say (laughs) you're not for everybody, but nonetheless, I think that as SLPs, we tend to take on this responsibility that we should be able to help everybody. Right. But really there's our, our field is so vast, right? And within it we have our own particular interests and skill set and everything. So I think it's so wonderful that you've been able to again choose that population and really find the best ways to serve them. I want to go back for a quick second. So you you said basically you've worked in pretty much every type of adult, you know, health, you know, continuum or whatever. At what point while you were doing you know, those positions. Did you start thinking about private
1: practice and why? Oh, gosh. So I was working in acute care, kind of a split role between acute care and outpatient. And don't get me wrong, it was a great job. It would have been the perfect job for many other people. But I just had this feeling of... I'm not, this is not the right fit for me. I felt constantly on edge. I was, became, started getting irritable. I was really disengaged from my work. I was burned out. And I really struggled with this idea of, Okay, being an acute care SLP is supposed to be like the gold standard, right? That's what everybody who's a medical SLP is striving for. And when I got there and I hated it, I was really confused about, well, you know, what's wrong with me? (laughs) Um, I I struggled because I had no autonomy. There were patients that were put on to my schedule that I had no idea how to help take care of. I didn't have time to do research. I couldn't, you know, call and collaborate with people. And the kind of straw that broke the camel's back was my employer did this employee engagement survey in hopes of understanding and improving the culture of the workplace, right? So obviously, they knew that there was a problem to initiate this survey. But through the activities that were associated with that, it became really clear to me that my employer didn't really place any value on my skill set. At one point, they told me, You're never going to be more than just a therapist. And for some people, that is totally fine, right? You, there's nothing wrong with being, although I hate the word just, there's nothing wrong with being a therapist, right? I love it, but that word to me, it just kind of did me in. And I every day I went to work after that, I was so in conflict with this knowledge that they didn't care about what I was doing. I was just there to fulfill a requirement. And I didn't like it, and I was so just, you know, butting heads with myself every day that eventually I quit. And I ended up being connected with these two amazing women here in Bend who had started a private practice five or so years ago, and they really just took me under their wing and took me on as an independent contractor while i was building my mobile fees business and so i learned a lot from them saw you know these two amazing women who were growing their families and had this great balance between their work and life and had figured out these specialty areas for themselves and just admired it i was jealous of it to be totally honest so when I got to the point where I realized I wanted to be doing therapy as well as doing mobile fees. That's when I found your course. I started doing some research and I found your course and thought, okay, I could actually do this. And I've gotten a taste of being my own boss. I know from previous employers that having autonomy is one of the most important things for me in my work. And that was the path that I saw for myself to get that. I love that. I mean, you just so
0: clearly shared, you know, what's wrong with a lot of settings, right? In terms of just not being valued, not being, I mean, literally not being valued in terms of maybe not caring what we do, but also not being valued in terms of of money, in terms of pay right? Absolutely. And that's a tough pill to swallow.
1: Yeah. It, you know, I think as for most people, the pandemic has really put things in perspective for me in terms of changing my plans. I mean, I feel like my plans have constantly changed (laughs) over the last two years in terms of my business. And I really You know, when I was first starting out, I really struggled with this idea of my private practice has to be exactly what everyone else's is. My mobile fees business has to be exactly what everyone else's is. And I was so kind of paralyzed by that idea of I need a brick and mortar. I need to run a full caseload. I can't do both. I can't do this because no one else is doing it that I've met, that it stopped me from moving forward. And then I ran into you. And I think my biggest takeaway from every, you know, whether it's your podcast or your course or your Instagram, you know, my biggest takeaway has really been you make it whatever is the right thing for you. And there are people out there who that is the best match for.
0: A hundred percent. Right. There's there's no such thing as a perfect private practice, only one that's perfect for you. Right. And you can design a a job for yourself and a career for yourself that works for you. Right. When when you're employed by a hospital or school, early intervention and even someone else's private practice, there's a lot of limitations on what you can do. Right. And, you know, for some people, that's okay, right? You talked about, you know, air quotes, just a therapist. There's plenty of people who don't really want to have their own businesses or who don't want, you know, all of the things that come with that. And that's okay, right? But those who do, like, I mean, part of my role is to help make that an easier process for people, right? And that's something, to be honest, listeners, that I'm proud of, right? I'm proud of the fact that I can help SLPs who have never thought about having a private practice or maybe thought about doing it down the road or thought that there was a million complicated steps really make the whole thing a lot easier. So thank you, Mary, for sharing like that part of your story and how, you know, you have found something and created something for yourself that really works for you.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, we hear a lot so much in our field about this idea of imposter syndrome. And I, you know, I've struggled with it myself. And I think the problem with imposter syndrome is that when you're so busy trying to be someone else, (laughs) when it's not who you're supposed to be, or you're so busy trying to have someone else's business, when it's not what you're supposed to have, that's where imposter syndrome comes from. If you let go of all of these ideas of what things are supposed to be and just be what you want to, There's no imposter. That's right. Just a
0: happier version of you. Yep. So I'm sure that some of the listeners might be thinking, especially those who are interested in working with adults, you know, what is it really like to have an adult-focused practice? You talked about having mobile fees. You also mentioned having like your own clients with aphasia, dementia, dysphagia, all those things. What is
1: it like to be an adult private practice owner? It's really fun. That's not the most eloquent description of it, but it's fantastic. It is frustrating at times in terms of... So one of the kind of unique choices that I made for my private practice was I only accept Medicare because you have to, and everything else is private pay. So it has been both a blessing and a curse doing that. I don't have to deal with a lot of the insurance rigmarole that comes along, but it also limits my options in terms of the people who want to work with me. So I think the blessing outside of not having to spend my time on the phone with insurance companies is that it forces me to get a little bit more creative in the things that I'm able to offer, which has created some new opportunities in my community. Things like classes and support groups and all of those different ways to get connected with folks in the community that, you know, if I honestly, if I was paneled with all of these different insurances, I may have never had to go down that road.
0: Well, and it's good again that that's like, you know, sometimes people get nervous, like, oh, I don't want to do Medicare. Right. But also kind of what you're saying is like, when you only have one op, when that's what you're doing, it's like, you learn how to do that well and you learn, you know, how it works or whatever. And then you kind of work within that framework.
1: Yes. And my, I mean, my Medicare credentialing process was an absolute nightmare. I will not lie to you. It took me almost a year, which is if you're listening, don't freak out. That's no way the norm, (laughs) but mine was a disaster, but now it is done. I wanted to give up on it so many times but I didn't. And now it is done. I will never have to do it again. And, you know, it. now it's a breeze. I love that. So what is
0: a, a typical, I don't know, day or week or, you know, what? what is a kind of time in the life of Mary Burns like?
1: So right now I have three days a week that are open for mobile fees because I cover such a wide territory, I spend a lot of time in my car. And so the other 2 days of the week and potentially weekends sometimes are dedicated to private practice where I will go to the homes of certain patients. I travel to them and typically it's, you know, I I try and stack people. I'm very strategic with mapping things out and it's a fun little game. Puzzle you have to solve, but it's doable. So I'll see at times it'll be four patients, at times it'll be one patient in a day. I try really hard to stay in close contact with certain specialties in my area, like ENTs, neurologists, specialty clinics like that, and really focus on playing up this aspect of. For your patients where it's a significant burden for them to leave the home, but they don't qualify for home health, here I am, this unique add to the community, you know, and let's take neurologists, for example, your folks with movement disorders, sure, they may not qualify for home health, but it is a huge value add to be able to go to them and do therapy in their home in terms of... Decreasing burden on the patient or burden on the caregiver, but also it opens up this whole new avenue of infinitely more meaningful and functional therapy when you're able to be welcomed into someone's home and use what is around them every single day. Yeah, that's always been my favorite too, right? When you're able to use the home environment, because sometimes you go in
0: planning to work on one thing. And then you notice them, I don't know, having a snack or drinking water. And you're like, whoa, that's a problem, right? So it's like you're you're really able to observe people in their natural environment and use that environment as part of your therapy. And I think that that is so beneficial in terms of, you know, carryover and generalization. And it really helps the patients and their
1: families. And for me, it always helped me feel like I was actually doing something, yep. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's made me so much more flexible. You know, of course I have plans in terms of what needs to be targeted, things like that. But I usually I get there and then the plan in terms of activities, if you want to call them that, or how we're going to target those goals, the plan forms when I'm at the door.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: So what is your plan for, you know, the next, I know
0: that we're, we're still in COVID. So things are a little bit hard to plan right now, but in theory, what might be your plan for the next year or so in terms of your private practice?
1: So a big goal, big dream of mine. I really want to build some intensive adventure camps, where a patient, let's say a person with aphasia, would come with their caregiver and we would use the playground that is Central Oregon to target their goals through something like rock climbing or adaptive mountain biking or skiing or things like that. But we would also have this community element because there would be, let's say, six couples who come together and then we, you know, rent a campsite and we all make s'mores at the fire and practice our language skills together. I think in terms of, you know, realistically 2021, 2022, that's probably not going to happen, but that doesn't mean I can't start laying the groundwork for it. That's right. That sounds incredible,
0: right? There have been some really creative programming over the years for people with aphasia, other you know neuro deficits and whatnot. And so those kind of things like will attract the right people, right? who would be really excited to stay in a on a campsite and mix mores and rock climb and that kind of thing. That's so creative, too, to think about how you can target like language goals and maybe problem solving and memory or any number of things. I think, wow, I can't wait to watch that unfold over the next couple of years, perhaps. Yeah.
1: And I would love to have, you know, a physical therapist and occupational therapists join. And I think it could be very cool and fun and meaningful and talk about like not being work. (laughs) You know, I, there's nothing I would love more than getting paid for camping, (laughs) Totally. Right. So find a way um, to make it happen. Yeah. What other projects or things do you have going on? So I am actually working on launching a program that's called the Sustainable Clinician, which is born out of this frustration that I have had with Watching people just quit their jobs, SLPs in particular, quitting their jobs over and over and over because they're in these workplaces that have pressures that are unmanageable. And our graduate programs taught us how to be clinicians, right? But they didn't necessarily teach us how to be assertive communicators or set boundaries or prevent burnout or deal with imposter syndrome and all of those things. So when those issues crop up, a lot of clinicians are who are great, skilled, empathetic, wonderful clinicians are quitting because they feel like they have no other options. And I was tired of it. So I tried to think of something that I could do to help Address that problem, and I have created this program that I'm hopeful will be ready to launch in May of this year. Where can people find out more about that if they're interested to learn more? So they can check it out on my Instagram at Overland SLP, or the website for the program specifically is www.thesustainableclinician.com.
0: Mary, that is so needed in our profession. And I'm so excited that you, who has some experience, right, figuring out how to have a sustainable life and career and everything else, what a wonderful way to kind of come full circle with your calling, right? Because not only have you found a way to serve the clients that you wanted to serve, right? I also spent some time in the coveted acute care and hated it. <laughs> and I also felt like, what's wrong with me, right? This was my goal. This was like I had the eyes on the prize to work on work in acute care, and i I didn't like it either, right? So I love that you kind of have taken that background, right, and created your own sustainable private practice, right? and are now trying to figure out how to help others who were in that same kind of negative position that you were in a couple years ago create something positive right because we all start off in the field feeling very positive right usually people leave grad school and they're just kind of like so ready to go out there and really help people and then you know you kind of get into the field for for a little bit and you're like wow this isn't exactly what i thought it was going to be right i'm still helping people but perhaps not to the degree that i thought i was going to be able to and uh oh i might be like heading toward burnout What am I supposed to do about that? So I love that you have created that program and I'm so excited for it to launch.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited. My next question
0: is, is there any like other pieces of advice that you would give people who are listening and are thinking, you know, I've always wanted to to be in private practice, but I just have, you know, some hesitations and whatnot. What would you tell those people? I
1: think the biggest things that I have learned are... Number one, that idea we briefly talked about already that it really can be whatever you want it to be. You can have a private practice where you see one client and you also do your full time job. And that is equally as valid and as worthy and wonderful as someone who has a brick and mortar practice and sees, you know, 50 clients a week. The second thing I would share is. Do what you can to make it easy for yourself. Ask for and accept help from people who have been there before you, whether that be, you know, investing in a course like yours or hiring somebody to do your dang insurance credentialing for you instead of spending your time and tears on that process yourself and just realize that it's okay to change constantly change what you think you want your practice to be as you figure things out because whatever you're doing is probably what is right in that moment and it's okay if that's not what you stick with forever but it's a really it's a really wonderful thing to do to feel like you're serving the people you want to serve you're your own boss You have created this thing that is having an impact on your community and it's really fulfilling and you can do whatever you want with it, no matter what anyone else says.
0: (laughs) I love it. What wonderful parting words of wisdom. Go out there and do the thing, help the people, and don't forget to help yourself too, right? Absolutely. Mary, this was wonderful. Thank you for being on. Tell our listeners one more time where they can connect
1: with you. So you can find me on Instagram at Overland SLP or check out my websites at www.overlandslp.com or www.thesustainableclinician.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Don't you just love Mary? I find her so inspirational and honestly calming. She talked about how creating a more balanced life was really important for her and how she transitioned from a life without balance to one that is much more sustainable. And I'm very proud of her for that and excited to see how her private practice path unfolds. Mary mentioned that she got her start in my program, the Start Your Private Practice System. Yes, it works for both pediatric and adult private practitioners. Keep in mind that I myself am an adult-focused SLP. So if you're feeling like you're stuck and underappreciated and ready to break out and start your own private practice, either full-time or on the side, so that you can make a greater difference in the lives of your clients and have more balance in your own life, I would love to help you get set up and started. Enrollment for the Start Your Private Practice system is opening very soon, and I would love to have you join us. Just head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist and sign up to be notified as soon as the doors reopen. When you join, you will get access to comprehensive video trainings, checklists, worksheets, a ton of bonuses like how to pick the perfect name for your private practice, our Insurance 101 training, and the Set Your Rate mini course, and you'll get 24-7 access to our mentor team who are established private practitioners and are available daily to answer questions in our member-only Facebook group. Our community is wonderful. We are supportive, collaborative, and nurturing. There are no silly questions. Everyone is learning and implementing and making progress together. Our students who join and take immediate action simply follow the system and get their clients within a few weeks. First, we'll help you plan your private practice. Then we'll help you get all of your ducks in a row. And once you've done that, you can start putting yourself out there and promoting your private practice in non-pushy ways. And yes, we will make sure that you help get paid for your services. So whether you want to start offering private pay, insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid, there is content in the program and people to ask about billing. Imagine what it will be like when you are in charge of your schedule and you're working with ideal clients who light you up and allow you to do your best work and getting paid and paid well for your expertise. If this is what you want, if you wanna take control of your professional, personal, and financial life, Head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist and sign up to be notified as soon as we open so that we can help you start your private practice with confidence. I hope to see you next week where we share more information and inspiration and how you can get more freedom, flexibility, fulfillment, and finances by starting your own private practice. See you then.
1: Have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some
0: time now. So, even being a full time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was- and I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice.
1: So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help
0: to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice.